Well, part of King Avenue's vision statement is to lead reconciling ministries. Yesterday, uh, we had the privilege of convening a gathering for churches that are already reconciling. We'd already met once uh, from across the state. And at that first meeting, we invited people to consider inviting other churches that had been upset by the decisions of general conference that were really adding punitive measures to our already kind of exclusive policies. And, and to invite churches to come have a conversation because they'd started on a journey towards greater inclusion and welcome. And they did invite and they did come. We had 10 churches there that had not been reconciling but we're starting to take steps forward. And uh, the day was um, just a really joyful day of encouragement and of thinking and strategizing. And as I reflected on it uh, later during uh, the evening, I, I really dwelt on uh, a lesson that I got from hearing Linda Guyton um, and Lois was there too, and was very much present in the story, but wasn't the one delivering the story. But Linda Guyton talked about a time um, in King Avenue's uh, uh, few years after uh, making the decision to become inclusive, LGBT inclusive, that um, the church was just a really happy, place and growing and there was this wonderful spirit of inclusion and um, Linda described it her words as just kind of a nice bubble and um, then that bubble was kind of uh, pierced a little bit when 2004 happened and DOMA was passed that um, defined marriage in Ohio as between a man and a woman and Linda said for her and many others, it was kind of a shake up, wake up, that there was still lots of work to do outside of the bubble. And so uh, with encouragement from uh, Grayson, they started something called the 12 Disciples, which was uh, 12 people, um, LGBT and allies, who, uh, were ambassadors, basically, on behalf of inclusion um, and went to other churches to worship there, um, usually, and, and talking to the minister ahead of time. Um, sometimes when they went, they would be given a little bit of time to give a small witness. Uh, other times, uh, they didn't have that opportunity, but they would go and meet and greet people before and after the service. And of course, if anytime 12 people come in all together, that draws a little bit of attention. And they sat down in the front row and participated in worship. And uh, they described that uh, experience that they did once a month uh, for about a year and a half. Um, and basically, it kind of trickled out because uh, there were uh, a shortage Kind of they explored the pool of churches that said yes come on and, and make a visit and um, but 
As I read the summary of the work that they'd done several years ago, I realized that many of the churches that they visited all that long ago had since then, some very recently, become reconciling churches. And I don't know if that sunk into Lois and Linda as much as it did to me, but I thought, what a time frame of planting seeds. And isn't that so often what life is like? You plant seeds. So many times you don't get a chance to know if they take root or grow. But every now and then, you do get a chance to see that. And it's wonderful. As Linda shared about the experience of um, being the, the 12 disciples, uh, she had some powerful reflections, I think, about some of the things that uh, were difficult about it. One of the things that was difficult was simply that people who were going to worship in other churches, although they oftentimes tried to worship here at the early service first, oftentimes because of scheduling, they couldn't do that, and, and they missed the opportunity to be in this inclusive, accepting, loving space and, and missed it. Additionally, sometimes they went places where they weren't as welcome as they had hoped to be and didn't get as positive of a response as they had wished to receive. And that also was difficult. So Linda reflected that it was really important because we were talking about seeing if many of, if this might be an opportune time to start the 12 Disciples program again. Because many churches uh, centrist churches that uh, have not become reconciling and maybe even haven't started the conversation but really want to be welcoming, a lot of them were shocked by the punitive nature of the last general conference decisions and have newly decided they need to start on the conversation. Could that be an opportunity for more ambassadors going out with a vision of an inclusive church. But as we were talking about that, <clears throat> Linda said, you know, it seems like if we do that again, we need to make sure that there's spiritual, a lot of spiritual support built into it. We need to have those opportunities to be refreshed and renewed by God's spirit in the midst of going out to serve in that capacity. I was thinking about all of that as I um, read the, the scriptures for this morning and was preparing. There's a bit of a contrast between the passage in Isaiah and the one in 2 Thessalonians, not just a contrast in their setting and their place and time, but in the tone of the message. I love the Isaiah passage in, in chapter 12. It's so uh, hopeful. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my might. He has become my salvation. 
And then this beautiful image, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation and you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord. Now one of the things I think is beautiful about that image is uh, I haven't been in the presence of very many wells. I have some. Um, More common for me would be um, with uh, pumps, right? But same thing, water ground, uh, underground water source, just tap into it, do a little bit, and up it comes, and it tastes so fresh and clean, and it's always cold and clear, and at least the ones I've tried. And, and you never, there's no cost to it. They're just out, out in the middle of places where people are going to find themselves in need of, of uh, refreshment. And, and that is an image for me of the, the, the life-giving power of God's grace and God's love that refreshes and renews, that really is our strength and our might. So that's so beautiful and joyful. Uh, and in Thessalonians, uh, Paul is, is really kind of giving a, a message about, hey, buck up, buckaroo. It's, uh, you know, step up to the plate. Don't be lazy. Get your work done. In fact, it almost sounds like um, Paul is giving an individualistic message, you know, each person uh, for themselves. Anyone unwilling to work should not eat. Do their work quietly and earn their own living. So let me give a, just a little bit of a sense of the context for Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians. So Paul's a missionary uh, who is taking the gospel around uh, the, town, the cities of the Mediterranean basin. And, and he is going to them with the simple message that the one true living God has done something completely and radically transformative in the life and the death and the resurrection of Christ. And that death and resurrection of Christ is evidence that God's spirit is being poured out onto the earth in a new way and one that makes all the difference in the world. And God is starting to act on behalf of reclaiming not just a chosen people, but the whole world and all its people. The Spirit's being spread out through all flesh. When Paul uh, preaches this message and people believe it and receive him, he starts a little congregation and then he moves on. Well, after Paul moved on, uh, there were other uh, messengers who came in with, um, with uh, kind of picking up on this fervor of, of God doing radical new things. And they, they kind of had a different message. Uh, this is why Paul in the passage points them back, says, remember the tradition I gave to you. He gives them a diff- they give a different message that, you know, yes, God has done something amazing in Christ, in the resurrection, and, and in the pouring out of the Spirit, and God's got it all taken care of. It's happening right away, and we can kind of sit back and watch it roll in. There's something about the, the teaching of these folks who come after Paul who makes some folks think they can just kind of kick back and relax, that it's all God, 
and their part is done. So Paul is calling people not to be individualistic and each person take care of themselves, but he's reminding them that the work of salvation is cooperative, that we still need to be part of at least pumping the well or pumping the, what do you call that thing? What's that? What's it? Priming a pump. Thank you. I need you right close by at all my sermons. When Paul says anyone unwilling to work should not eat, do their work quietly and earn their own living, he also balances it in the context for those who probably have been trying to overcompensate and and work hard and keep on going. Do not grow weary in doing what is right. Do not grow weary in doing what is right. Can anyone relate? to growing weary and doing what is right. But when I thought about Linda's story and the 12 disciples, I realized Christian life is a lot more like a marathon than it is like a sprint. And what do you have to do in a marathon? You pace yourself. And when you're getting weary, you need to Go get a drink from the well of God's love, God's spirit, God's guidance and strength. We can work, and God is working with us. And you know, I believe uh, that God is still really working in the United Methodist Church, in this denomination, and in each one of us. We need to hear this message today. Keep on working, all of us, at the humble, small, simple tasks. You know, when people went and made those ambassador visits to other congregations, we did, they didn't know what was going to happen. We can't be in control of how other people respond and receive and what they do, we can only be in control of our efforts and our intentionality to keep trying to do the work that God has given us of being ambassadors of God's love in this world that God loves. And you know, there's gonna be a day when LGBT inclusion is no longer an issue when people will just be seen as beloved individuals, all precious people made in God's image. And we won't make all these different labels and come up with different categories and we won't have them ranked. But there will always be people, there will always be things on this earth that are separating people from God, that are making them feel discouraged, that are unjust. As God's people here on earth, we're always going to be called, be pacing ourselves to work, go back and drink from the well, and not grow weary 
and doing what is right. And the good news is that God is working ever more mysteriously and with us than we can know or imagine. Thanks be to God for seeds that get planted but are watered and take root by God's mysterious grace. Amen.